Hello and welcome to another episode of Myths and Stories, a Destiny 2 lore podcast, now in 2023. Yay, we made it to the next year. We did. We are back. Uh, We are sounding, hopefully, better than before. Uh, We've got some fancy new stuff that we're we're using. And we're going to kick off this new year by talking about a character that is... uh, very prevalent in the lore for the current season, season of the Seraph, and is, I think, easily the most sadistic, egotistical SOB in the game. So that's I, fun. I, I agree with that. <laughs> I 100% agree with that. So we're starting things off on a, on a good note, I guess. Uh, and we are, of course, talking about Clovis Bray, the uh, person who was just recently kind of deleted in the season i was i was gonna ask you about that before we started i couldn't tell if like it did did anna just delete a local copy of him and then he just yeah that's (laughs) that's what i figured that's what i got out of it she she deleted the copy that was in the exo frame but he still had like the backup copy on europa and he just was able to transmit some data to that backup saying like you know they kn- Probably like a startup boot up sequence or something uh, yeah, like that. Like, like, hey, they know en- you're an asshole. Engage secondary protocol. Yeah, they they know. <laughs> <laughs> so, but that leaves a lot of questions. Um, even for people that started playing with uh, Beyond Light and introduced to Clovis kind of the first time he truly was introduced in game, you still may not really know who he is or why he's important or thinks he's important. Um, and the Clovis and the company named after him, uh, Braytech, uh, has a very long history in the Destiny universe and has made, uh, kind of some, some of the, the things that have shaped the Destiny universe have come out of, uh, Clovis Bray and Braytech, um, although often not in the way that he had wanted them to. Uh, and so we are going to spend the next however many episodes, and it's going to be a few, uh, oh my God, yes. <laughs> discussing Clovis Bray, his family, their accomplishments and what it means for the game all the way, starting with the inception of the company to, uh, I guess current season. Yeah. Do you like a, like a, like in the beginning, there was Clovis, and it was not as good as you think it was. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so where are we starting? We are starting on Mars, actually. Uh, so this is Mars, just uh, kind of very early Golden Age. Uh, we don't have an exact date or anything, but the earliest reference of Clovis Bray um, and the Bray Tech Company comes to us from the Martian city of Freehold, uh, which Clovis Bray, and I should specify, Clovis Bray the first, uh, created the Clovis Bray Company and donated significant amount of assets to the creation of the city of Freehold on Mars. Um, which is spoken of as one of the most triumphant achievements of the Golden Age, the creation of this city. And uh, we can see a little bit of 
uh, kind of what that city meant in our first lore reading of the evening, which is comes to us from Destiny 1. It is a ghost fragment called Meridian Bay, and it's essentially a little postcard or flyer for the city of Freehold. And uh, that one reads like this. We want your grandchildren. Does that sound grim? Don't panic. We aren't talking about human babies, yours or anyone else's. We're talking about your inventions, the children of your mind. Come join us. Come to Clovis Bray and build the laboratory of your dreams. Anything you need, demand it and it is yours. At Clovis Bray, we have a singular understanding of genius, and we appreciate how brilliant minds flourish when they enjoy total freedom. This is Freehold, the realm where the new and the best are born. This is your brilliance, freed of budget constraints and managers. Make the universe dance. Clovis Bray is a nursery, a nursery to millions of marvels. Your inventions belong to no one but you. Cherish them, praise them, or tell them they aren't worthy and set them inside a deep dark drawer. But as every parent soon learns, children grow up, and every technology matures. At some point, your inventions are going to find mates. They'll join with other marvels and produce a new generation of offspring. Maybe you'll build a better reactor. Meanwhile, the genius in the lab next door devises an elegant way to fold machines into tiny spaces. Your device meets hers, and a fierce little reactor is born. Your children are yours forever and we are happy to arrange for their grandchildren to prosper. And that's the end of that one. This this makes it seem like the ultimate like R&D place for Oh yeah. I mean any type of like college grad right like hey this you you're right it does sound kind of like a postcard or like an ad for like like a recruitment ad for like uh, for Clovis Bray like hey come come work for us. We we literally know that your inventions are going to outlive you. And the more inventions that we can get created here, the better, because the more commingling of in- inventions and, you know, it, it, it's, it's like, uh, it's like tech growth. It's kind of like compounds on itself and goes exponential. So yeah, no, this, this I, we started off by saying Clovis Price sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and now we've got this idea of this company that's sounds actually kind of nice to work for. Like, yeah, I would, I mean, I'd love to go work there. Well, it, it, Propaganda always sounds nice. <laughs> uh, and that, that is, yeah. I mean, that, that is a lot of what we're looking at here. He, Clovis is, uh, you know, he, um, by all accounts is a fairly new company They're They want to be making the biggest and greatest and best things, um, so that he can stamp his name on it in some way, you know, look what was made at Clovis oh, Bray, yeah. Bray tech. Just to, just to have like your name solidified in history. Okay, right. now that's you know that's his thing. That i the that idea there. The idea of like it's my name on it. Like nobody remembers the second guy on the moon or the third guy on the moon. They all remember Neil Armstrong, first man on the moon. Like it. Yeah, everyone always remembers that. That's oh man, that's that is kind of <laughs> what what were that egotistical yes so not sadistic i don't think it's full-on sadistic at that no point. i think that's just that, just that egotistical definitely yeah. egotistical yeah uh and we it was successful to to at least some degree because in some other uh 
areas where freehold is mentioned. Um, we're going to look specifically at a web lore that was dropped during Curse of Osiris called Cryptarch. Uh, there's a description of this area um, where our favorite Cryptarch, Rahul, says that Golden Age records detail an extensive network of Clovis Bray structures on Mars. The vast city of Freehold served as the Bray headquarters, but ancient mass transit lines that led from the remains of Freehold across the planet reveal multiple other sites, including the Clovis Bray Health Center in Skyline and an extensive futurescape near Core Terminus in the Hellas Basin region. So by the Cryptarch's account, it seems like Clovis Bray kind of owned this city or at least a big portion yeah. of this city. Um, not just kind of the main, you know, it wasn't just that they had their HQ there. They had their HQ there right. and they also owned the hospital and they also owned the, you know, transportation and this and the this transit and this. lines. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, very much freehold became synonymous with the Clovis Bray company. And, uh, you know, that, that's, that's the thing. So backing up a little bit, who, who was Clovis Bray or, or the Bray family? Because they were all important in some way, shape or form to what is going on currently in destiny. So we have, uh, the family tree starts with Clovis Bray, the first, uh, and his wife at the time would have been, uh, Lucia Bray. But she's also, her maiden name was Lucia Lynn. They had a son who, as you might guess, was named Clovis Bray II. Uh, their son married Sylvie, who uh, is only referred to as Sylvie Bray. And they had three children. Alton Bray, Dr. Wilhelmina Bray, and Dr. Elizabeth Bray, or Elsie. Clovis Bray II had a fourth uh, bastard child, I think is the correct term, um, yeah. had an affair and had a child from that affair that would be Dr. Anastasia Bray. Um, although Anna was told that she was an adopted child to protect the family from the scandal of infidelity. I mean, if you got a company that big toting that much hoo-ha, that's... Yeah. Yeah. You they're they're gonna try to keep stuff like that silent. Yeah. So that that's the whole family tree, as far as we know. Um, and some of those names might sound familiar to you. And we're gonna go over each of them briefly as to what they did. And then when we get to their portion in the story as we go through this series, we're gonna really get in depth on a lot of them. Now before we break off into that, yeah. um I guess it's kind of important to note all of these children uh and grandchildren we're all born during the golden age. So we're talking yeah. people that can live for a very, very long time. Uh, so that's, that's, that's a, that's a, it, to, to, to think, Oh, Hey, he only had three kids and, and whatever, even just having those, those four total, uh, was a lot, I feel like. Yeah. And it, um, yeah, during the golden age, you said, what was it? The human lifespan tripled, I think. Tripled. Tripled. Yep. So, yep. you know, between three generations, you're looking at, you know, 900 potential years of life. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. It's it's not like, hey, my my big brother's four years older than me. It's like, hey, my big brother's eighty seven years older than me. <laughs> right. Like that that could be a realistic thing in this timeline. Yeah. Now we don't have the the age differences between any of them. Um we just know that Alton was the uh the oldest of the grandchildren, followed by Wilhelmina, followed by Elsie, followed by Anna. Uh, but we don't know how big of a age gap there was between any of them. Right. Uh, so going back to Clovis Bray, the first, the founder of the company, uh, he had his son, Clovis Bray, the second was with his wife, Lucia Bray. Um, but as we talked about Clovis Bray, the first is the most maniacal egotistical SOB in the whole destiny universe. And so he can't just have a kid. That's not, that's, that's not enough. He has to have the perfect kid, the perfect child. And in order to make his son the most, in his words, flawless representation of himself, he genetically engineers him while he's still in, in the fetal stages of development. Uh, specifically shit specifically removing as much of his mother's dna as he can in order to replace it with either clovis bray's own dna um or a genetically altered superior version okay yeah that's 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 borderlining on psychotic. Yes, he he is. Oh, he is a tad. This nuts. got this got real, real quick. <laughs> that, holy shit! So that's that's psychotic. Yeah. So we got an egotistical psycho screwing with the genes of his unborn baby to try to make it a perfect being. A perfect representation of himself, who he Holy believes shit. is already, you know, as close to a perfect human as you can get. Yeah, this close, not exactly the best of people. No, no, not, not even a little bit. Uh, and so needless to say, his wife is none too happy with their unborn child being genetically engineered in the womb and uh she you know takes offense to all of this and uh at some point after the birth of clovis bray the second uh ends up divorcing clovis bray and returning to her maiden name uh lucia lynn which is how she's referred to in most of the lore cards that's yeah that's probably for the best. <laughs> probably for the best. Good, good for her. <laughs> but so Clovis has succeeded in, uh, you know, his son appears to have been born healthy and very um, physically. Uh, you know, and I, I, won't, I don't know if flawless is the right word, but he had a boost, uh, boosted immune system. So he, it was pretty much impossible for him to get sick. Uh he had, you know, boosted intellect, boosted uh, muscular system, cardiovascular. Like he, he got the super soldier serum kind of thing. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. I mean, we're, we're, and and I mean, that's kind of like the 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 thought behind it is 
if if Clovis is wanting like the most perfect representation behind him, he he would he would delete out all that like any any type of thing that would have a chance to create a flaw in the in his offspring would have been eradicated. Yeah. But at the end of the day, a kid is still a kid. And uh we can we can see kind of the the standards that Clovis had for his son, uh, as well as kind of how his son felt about his father, how Clovis Bray the second felt about Clovis Bray the first. Um and there's a lore card that gives us a little peek into that. Uh, and this is from The Taken King uh, from Destiny 1. And it is the ghost fragment just titled Clovis Bray. And uh, it says an excerpt from an unpublished memoir of Clovis Bray II. And that excerpt goes like this. My father hated maps. And do you know why I hate maps? He asked me. I didn't answer, not immediately. With father, every question was vast, particularly those that looked simple. And if simple questions deserved as much insight and wisdom as could be brought to bear. With that in mind, I said nothing. Why would my father hate maps? One of his collaborators came into the office. Father didn't have employees or assistants, and for that matter, he didn't have heroes either. Every person, living or lost, was a collaborator, and that included his children. Clovis, said the visitor. Father heard the woman, but he was watching me. The woman was pretty, and I was sixteen, so I looked at her smiling enough for both of us, and she threw an appreciative wink my way as she described test results from the last five billion runs of our AI initiative. Out on the Martian desert, my father and picked collaborators were building housing too cold for this universe and too swift to be real. And I was a 16-year-old boy, smiling at a pretty woman. My father thanked her for the update, and she left. And just as I feared, he never looked away from me. I don't know why you hate maps, I admitted. With father, ignorance was never the worst crime. What was awful was pretending to have insight and wisdom where neither existed. Maps end, he said. And I nodded, just a little. Maps insist on having borders and edges, or the table falls away, which isn't the way the universe works. It doesn't, no, I agreed. And then he asked, So how does the universe work? I pretended to take my time, considering various smart answers, but I ended up using my first impulse. Effortlessly. I said, and he laughed, which wasn't uncommon for my father, but it was heartening to hear just then. What else can you tell me? He asked. The universe is infinite, and probably in multiple ways, I said, and then I listed some examples, 
The census of stars, the many worlds, principles, and quantum mechanics, the endless measure of tiny realms hiding inside every grain of Martian sand. And Father nodded, and the smile died. And then he said something ominous, although I didn't appreciate it at the time. The universe is someone else's map, he said. Is it? I muttered. Yes, oh yes. And what we're doing here, we're reaching beyond the boundaries, out into the unknown. And we will pull back new colors to put on this map that can never, ever let itself be finished. And I nodded, smiling like a good son. But I was sixteen, and my thoughts were mostly about the pretty woman who had winked at me. And that's the end of that one. Ah, uh, what it longs to be 16 again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I do like that. Uh, I do like that, uh, that idea of, of the, the map being finite, right? Like there's, there's an exact edge. There's an, there's a stopping point. It always, it, it's always conf- confined within a, a space, but then to think of like ideas and, and, um, I guess ideas would probably be the best thing to think of uh, to say that an idea can continue to grow infinitely like the universe. Like it can just continue to, to grow on itself and, and, and gain more and more and more and get bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, so yeah. And, and, and then like the, that idea of like our universe is just someone else's map, but we're at least we in, in Clovis's mind, Clovis is trying to, go beyond the edges of that map to, to, to get the bigger, grander idea to continue on, to never have an end to this, this, this map, uh, of the universe. But yeah, to long to be 16 again. (laughs) (laughs) But no, that is a a recurring theme with Clovis, um, from this very earliest reading to the little postcard slash propaganda we were talking about with freehold, uh, to even now, what he's still, his main motivation in game in Season of the Seraph has always been immortality of himself, immortality of his legacy, and then eventually immortality, literally, of himself. You know, it can never, ever end as that's, far as he's that's, concerned. That's psychotic. That's psychotic. <laughs> this guy this guy's nuts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but so we we see the relationship between Clovis Bray the 2nd and Clovis Bray the 1st here and you know he's 16, he's responding to some more base instincts in this, you know, particular one, but he's also conversing with his father about quantum mechanics theories and the, you know, multi-star censuses and like he's 16, but he's not what we think of as 16. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. We're talking like a PhD trapped in a 16 year old body. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so Clovis, uh, Clovis Bray, the seconds are Clovis Bray, the first son, the second grows up uh, at least enough that he has a wife of his own 
um, who is Sylvie, Sylvie Bray. And they have their three children, which were Alton, uh, Wilhelmina, and Elsie. Uh, and these children are also very, very brilliant in different fields uh, within the Clovis Bray industry. Because, of course, their family, they have to be kept in, you know, in the family business kind of thing. I was going I was to say, were they all employed by Clovis? They were all employed by Clovis in some way. And uh, so we have um, Alton Bray, who is the eldest uh, and was a son. And he, although very smart, is unfortunately viewed by his grandfather, the first, as pretty much a failure. Um, Interesting. Essentially, he is, because he isn't inclined to the realm of discovery. He isn't inclined to invent new things or discover new chemicals or, you know, create. He's, he's okay things. with the borders of the map. Right. He's, he is okay with the day to day and with the business side of things, but Clovis isn't interested in the business side of things. He's interested in the making new groundbreaking discovery side of things. And so he views Alton Bray as a, a, a failure of a, of a Bray and as such um, relocates him to administration work within the company. You know, oh, you can manage people. You can manage the, the money, the business side of things. That, that stuff doesn't actually matter in Clovis Bray, the first point of view. In, in that immortality sense, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, nobody cares about what the finances were on February 4th. Right. We care that Clovis Bray name stays through the years. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So Alton is kind of like, okay, you can you can deal with that side of things and I'll just forget you exist, is essentially what, what happened. Uh, Wilhelmina, however, was um, very brilliant in a number of different fields. Uh, the two things that she is most well known for um, are, well, the first of those is the development of the engram. We have Wilhelmina to thank for every blue and purple and exotic engram that we find lying on the ground somewhere. It's all because of her. And, and those ones back in D1 that were like, <laughs> Hey, here's a yellow. And Rahul's like, nah, it's just a blue. And you're like, what the hell? Yeah. And uh, we get a, an interesting little peek into a um, very, you know, PR version of her accomplishment with the engram um, through the uh, a ghost scan in the core terminus of Mars during the Warmind expansion. Uh, and the dialogue for that ghost scan uh, essentially says. Engineers of the 21st century hit the physical limit in the advancement of silicone transistors, unable to resolve the issue of quantum tunneling at the nanoscopic level. The dream of quantum computing danced at the edge of our predecessors' imaginations, somewhere between science and science fiction. Ironically, it would take a further technological leap for us to later return and resolve the, the messy problem of quantum incoherence. 
That leap was the first successful encoding of solid matter by Dr. Willa Bray, opening a window to the wonderful and mysterious world of the engram. The latest and most exciting application of this new state of matter is within the field of engramic computation. Physically encoding conventional silicone transistors allows them to safely store exponentially more information in a smaller space. It goes on, but that's kind of the only relevant bit for what we're talking about. But that's, but so that's the, and, and in, we talked about this before a long time ago, uh, engrams are just another state of matter. Yep. They're a fifth state of matter. Yeah. So, yeah, no, that's, that's, uh, I was, I was kind of following along. Like I know, I know a little bit about quantum mechanics and like the idea of quantum entanglement, right? Like if I quantumly entangle two particles and I wiggle one over here, no matter where the other one is on any, any part of the universe, it should wiggle at the same frequency. So yeah. that's, it's kind of like the basic idea of quantum entanglement. But, uh, yeah, that's, it's, it's interesting to think that that ghost scan references, uh, what I, 21st century is what it's, is what it said. Um, I already closed it. Let me go back here. Uh, How yep, dare engineers you? of the 21st century hit the physical limit of the advancement. So of it's, that, it's literally talking about us yep. right now. Yep. <laughs> we're, we're so, so you know what that means so at some point in time in the next ump number of years, engrams are going to be invented. Sweet. Yeah. That's probably not the worst thing to be invented right now. <laughs> I, I would probably be okay with that one. Uh, so that that's Will Wilhelmina or Willa. Um, so she created the engram. The other thing that she developed, I will say, is Siva, which we're not going to go into depth about uh, in this episode. We're going to kind of have a dedicated section that's just Siva um, where we'll discuss its origins more. But just keep in mind that Wilhelmina is the one that is responsible for Siva as we know it. The uh, next child would be Elsie, or Elizabeth Bray. And Elsie was considered one of the greatest engineers of the Golden Age. She single-handedly designed multiple jump ships and is solely responsible for the Eon-class jump ship, which there are a few of available to us in-game, uh, mostly as Eververse ones. Is is that like uh, uh, so? When they talk about classes of jump ship, uh, for some reason, the thing that comes to my mind is like the very first jump ship you ever get, which is uh, an Arcadia jump class jump ship. Yep. I think. Yep, that's so an Arcadia. Th so, so I guess what's what's is there any significance about uh, about the Eon uh, jump ship, or is it just like the first of its kind? Um, I th I think it was the first of its kind, and it was considered more technically advanced than any other jump ship um that came out during that period during the golden age i guess technically um so some examples would be like the shadow trespasser uh which oh yeah specifically I love the description on that one yeah it specifically is stated that she built it so that it would be undetectable to any other jump ship um yeah just they they often use technology that nobody else even knew existed, let alone were implementing into spaceships. 
I'm I'm assuming all developed there at Clovis Bray yes. headquarters. Yep, all developed yeah. at Clovis Bray headquarters. All either developed or um, at the very Patented least engineered <laughs> by Elsie. Yeah. I, uh, and then we have Anastasia or Anna Bray, uh, the youngest child, and we probably all know what she had her dealings with, uh, but just in case anyone's been living under a rock, I suppose. Uh, she is the, was, and I guess is the main developer on Rasputin, the AI war mind. Uh, similar to Siva, we are going to spend a very long section of this series, um, later on talking about Rasputin from his inception, uh, as the R AI all the way to how we know him now. Um, but for this moment, just know Anna helped develop Rasputin. Yeah, but we're definitely going to do like each each one of these families, each one of these trees has its is is going to have its own like dedicated like a whole thing about Siva, a whole thing about Rasputin. But for now, we're going to stick with Clovis and kind of what he is is yep. most most famous for. We're going to stick with Clovis. We're going to kind of follow his descent into madness here. Um, so Clovis Bray the second has had, you know, all these children that have been very successful by all, all standards and acknowledged by their grandfather. Most of them at least have been acknowledged by their grandfather as being, you know, worthy of the Bray name because of their, their work in, uh, you know, in one of the, the STEM fields essentially. Uh, but Clovis, he can't leave well enough alone and Clovis Bray the first keeps tinkering with Clovis Bray the second's genetics and because he he's he's certain he's certain that he can make him better he can continue to make him superhuman in ways that will you know advance uh human biology and I think it's, although I don't believe it's ever stated, I think we can pretty much infer Clovis Bray I is using his son as the guinea pig for genetic uh, experimentation with the hopes that he's going to unlock the keys of immortality to use it on himself, is, is I think the goal that he's is, going for here. That is, that is fucked up. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, it is. That is insane. That's insane. He's using. Oh my god! I, I, I know he's crazy. I know he's a genius. I know he's psycho. I know he's egotistical. He just, holy crap! To use your own kid and to tr- keep doing genetic experiment experiments on him, just to be like, okay, well that didn't work, but he's close enough to my DNA that it might work. Like. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. And uh, so he keeps poking and he keeps prodding until eventually it it breaks at the bend. Uh, he pokes and prods enough that he finally comes across something that does not go well. Uh, in an attempt to remove the need to sleep from his son, from Clovis Bray II, to genetically modify him to remove the need to sleep. What he instead does 
is induce the development of a neurodegenerative disorder, which becomes known as the Clovis curse. That's that's what happens when you fuck around. Like myth myth showed me this graph of it's it's the the bottom line of the graph, the x-axis is fuck around, and the top the the y-axis is find out. So he's fucked around and he's found out. <laughs> yes, he has found the intersection. Uh and now technically this this uh genetic manipulation happened um prior to the birth of his children. So this Clovis curse, this induced uh insomnia, essentially, this genetic insomnia. I mean, that's that's the the question I have. Did it work? Well, it it seemed to remove the ability to sleep. I don't know if it removed oh, the no, need to sleep. I was expecting <laughs> to say those are two totally different things. Um, or even if it did remove the need to sleep, it it did it in such a way that the brain tissue was was degenerating, was was dying off. Uh, Holy shit! And because it was a genetic uh, modification it was possible to pass down to his children. Remember that. He definitely found that intersection. Remember that because it comes up later. So He found that intersection of fuck around and find out. (laughs) (laughs) So Clovis Braid the First is trying to figure out how, how do I fix this? You know, I've, I have broken my son. How do I fix him? Um, that's I feel like that's even more egotistical and, oh, yes. and psycho like oh, yes. I've created a problem now let me solve said problem and Clovis let me show you how great I am Clovis through his AI initiatives had been already working on prototypes of what he called the exo mind and that was the ability to scan and translate someone's brain someone's consciousness from the organic material of the brain into data and store it in a digital mind space and he'd been successful in this that concept like that the idea of that is it's i don't i don't have words to describe it like do you know how much information is inside the brain like how many how many server stacks would you need to just store it? And I think the reason he was able to finally be successful was probably because of the uh, discovery of the engram. Oh, yeah. Because now so much more computing power was available in an even smaller space than what was before. Yep. I, I like it. I like it. So he, he now had the capability to scan someone's brain and put it into a digital format. He, he was successful in that. It was proven that worked. Step two was uploading that into some kind of new body, some kind of exoskeleton. And, you know, in Clovis's mind, replace the need for flesh and blood. You know, have true oh immortality through, uh, you know, if, if he couldn't find genetic immortality, he was going to find another route to it. Dude, this, this is psychotic. <laughs> this is psychotic. Oh, yes. Well, 
he now had, you know, his son that he had genetically modified that was degenerating as the years went by. Now, and I guess that's the other question too. This Clovis curse that's that's it's essentially eating away at the at the at the nervous system or or I guess the brain. Yeah. Um which is rapidly I, I wouldn't say rapidly, but definitely speeding up death. So he's kind of he's kind of like on a timeline now. Yeah, it, it was an it's described as a neurodegenerative. So yeah, degeneration of of the the brain or the brain function, and again, it, it doesn't seem to have been instantaneous. It doesn't seem to have been terribly rapid. Like Clovis Bray the second had enough time after his genes were modified to, uh, you know, have four children that then grew up to you know adolescence slash adulthood early adulthood and then go through and develop the engram yeah no I, yeah okay so yeah definitely definitely not a rapid time frame but no probably quicker than what he expected yeah it might have taken his 300 year lifespan and shortened it to like 150 or 200 or something yeah. like that yeah which is still i mean like if compared to now like hey now you've got a hundred person hundred year old person living to 50 and then they're dead like right that's that's kind of the equivalent there right and to Clovis Bray the first, it I almost feel like it wasn't so much the the early death that bothered him, but it was the fact that his son, his perfect, flawless heir, was going to have his brain function slowly slip away as this disease got worse, and it, it to the to the the madman that Clovis Bray the first was and is to have a a uh, an heir that is becomes incapable of taking care of themselves to have an heir with a mental disease almost seems oh, that's worse like, that's like the ultimate flaw right like the you there couldn't be a worse thing for him yeah to 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 close the first to close the first yeah. yes that 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 in his mind that's like that's the that's like the ultimate sin or the ultimate like maybe not sin but like the the ultimate worst thing to happen and yeah yeah and so Clovis decided the only way to save his son Clovis Bray the second uh, from this this terrible fate that he had given him was to remove the biology from the equation because that was what was failing on him. It wasn't that his mind, it wasn't that his consciousness was, was bad. It was that the, you know, the, the squishy bits were failing. (laughs) Yeah. I like that description. (laughs) Yeah. Squishy bits failed. So he convinced Clovis Bray the second that the only way for him to continue, you know, continue surviving and, and be around to, to take care of his children and, and see the future was to allow Clovis Bray the first to do a scan of his brain and upload it into an exo mind. Now here's, here's a question with that. And and I don't know if this I don't know if I'm jumping ahead or not. Does that delete the person? Like once that upload is that like a one way uplink? Yes. Oh shit. 
any, so far as we know, anyone that became an EXO did so at the expense of their uh, organic selves. Holy shit. Okay. So the the process of doing the brain scan initiates uh, cellular Death. death. End of the squishy bits. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so he, he does this brain scan. He uploads his son's consciousness into this, this digital space, this exo mind, as he calls it. And he decides, all right, I've got an exo mind. So I'm, that, that's as close to my mind as, as is possible because I made it that way. I mean, because that's the other question, too. Can, would, could you modify? I mean, he's genetically modified him on a squishy bit level. He could easily genetically modify him on a digital level. It's just data. Yeah. Oh, my God. So he now decides. This guy's a psycho. He now decides, I need to test. Like, we, we, we have our proof of concept. We know that we can successfully upload someone's brain into the computer, into, into data. Now I need to test the other half of this equation and put his consciousness into a new body. Because I guess, like, what does the consciousness do in that data state before it gets to... I have so many questions about this on, like, an engineering <laughs> level that's, uh, that none of it matters. Like, who the fuck cares? But at the, at the end of the day, it's, it, I've got so many questions. Like, what does the brain do in a digital state when it doesn't have a body to, to mess around with? What is, is it conscious? Is it alive? Is it awake? Is it, is it active? Like... Or is it just literally data on a on a hard drive? Is it just sitting there idle to be accessed at some random time? Like it By all accounts, it seems like until it is downloaded into something that can use that data and decrypt, I guess, that data in a meaningful way, it's just it's just data. It's it's not alive which is a really that's, weird concept to wrap your head around. That's, that's kind of fucky, right? Like, <laughs> that's yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, and I guess it makes sense if like uploading, cause it's got to upload everything. It's got to upload the brains, like all the, all the subroutines, right? Like your lungs breathe, your, your, your digestive system works, your, your, nervous system does things your circular system moves blood like all of those bits that's got to just be data happening in the brain and so all like if you upload the entire thing all that stuff's got to come with it so i mean that's just that's weird that's weird to think of like your circular that the entire neurological side of your circular system that works is just sitting on as ones and zeros on a disc that's that's just a weird that's a that's a that's a weird thing to me. <laughs> it, it is. It is. It's it's hard to wrap your head around. I mean, it's also hard to imagine that all those things that you just talked about are just little electric impulses in our brain right now. So. Yeah. Bah. Bah. <laughs> squishy bits are, I, I can't do squishy bits. Okay. Well, needless to say, Clovis also didn't want to deal with squishy bits. And so he he goes, okay, I know I can do step one. So now I need to test step two. And that is take that consciousness and download it into something, into a new body. 
And so he does with one of the very earliest attempts at downloading a person into an exo body or, or what we will, what will become known as an exo body. It was just kind of a prototype at the time. Uh, and, and a prototype in the way that he hadn't even really figured out what it was going to look like or how everything was going to function. Uh, it was very much a like, like, would it need, would it need two arms and two legs or could it have like seven arms and seven legs? Like, like, yeah, he hadn't, he hadn't figured any of that like, out. That's, that's, that's like the, again, more of the fucky bits that don't matter. But like, what happens if you download a brain? Cause our human brains have only had two arms and two legs. What happens if you give us seven arms and seven legs? What does the brain know how to interpret that? Does it know how to access those other legs and arms and bits? Like, does it, does it need lungs? Does it need a, a stomach? Like, Oh, don't worry. We'll find out the answer so, to all those questions. <laughs> this is so fucky. Like, yeah. Okay. All right. All right. I know I jump ahead too much. I it's, but those, those ideas, those, those, those like base level functions of like, this is what it takes for a, a squishy bits. That's that I'm adopting that name for the human body. Now, <laughs> this is what it takes for the squishy bits to, to continue to exist. And if you take that away, uh, the squishy bits don't know what to do on their own. They, they're like, your muscles aren't alive. Or, not, they are alive. They're not, self-conscious your muscles like what you're saying with the circular system it's just electrical impulses from the brain it's just a signal being turned on and off but as soon as that signal's removed now they're just squishy bits now they just lay there doing nothing so yeah and and then to think like if if the brain knows how to do it on this like the brain could easily it's it's like that that which came first chicken or the egg thing. Like mm -hmm. if a brain can run two arms, why couldn't it run four arms or why couldn't it run seven arms? I don't know why I'm stuck on seven, but that's what it is. Oh, you know, okay. That is Bungie's lucky number. Right. Right. Uh, and so he, he does it. He downloads Clovis spray the second into this very early kind of exo frame esque thing. In expecting that it's it's his kid, his son is going to be now talking through this exo frame, and you know everything will be fine and dandy because he's removed all the problematic pieces. You know the organic matter is gone; it can't be degenerating anymore. And uh, what he discovers is something called disassociative exomind rejection. And short, shortened to DER. Shortened to DER. And what DER essentially is, is that the, the rejection, the mind is rejecting the body it's in. Uh, it, it, all of its, all of its systems, all of its synapses, everything that the brain uses to establish I am alive. I am breathing. I feel, you know, there is oxygen, there is blood, there is all of, you know, all of the different systems are running and therefore I am alive. But those don't exist in this exo body. And so the, the, the consciousness 
that is in this exo body is just trapped in this perpetual state of I'm dead. I must be dead. None of my things are working. I, I am not living. And it's terrifying. It's, it's, it's terrifying to think about. It's like, is that like, is that, is that what it's like to be in a coma? I mean, I don't know that we can equate it to anything. That's terrifying. Like the brain doesn't know the brain doesn't, the brain now doesn't have a circular system to, to, or doesn't, doesn't, doesn't have a circular system to automate, right? Like it doesn't. Okay. Heart pump, pump again. Okay. Take a break. Heart pump, pump again. Now take a break. The brain doesn't, that's just a subroutine. That's just like a, a subroutine that runs in your mind. Like you don't have to tell your heart, Hey heart, what are you doing? You stopped pumping a couple of times. Let's, let's pick up the pace here or something. And for now, for this, for the brain to just not have that, to just go, okay, heart, wait, there is no heart. Fuck. What do I do? <laughs> like that's, yeah. that's essentially what we're talking here. Like that's what, that's what this consciousness or this, this, I'm going to keep calling it a brain because I don't, I don't know what else to call it. Right. Yeah. Is that's what it's doing inside this, this exoframe is it's it's looking for systems that don't exist to tell systems to do what they're supposed to do subconsciously but since they don't exist it's like well fuck if they don't exist i must be dead right and so now the the person attached to that brain is in a constant state of again i don't even know that we have something to compare it to to try and describe they they're in a a constant state of dying every of, of their, their head, their brain is convinced they are dying and or dead every second forever. Like that's, that's what the brain did. Like as soon as the brain realizes that the body is, is like organs and stuff are shutting down, it'll start shutting other stuff down, but it does, there's nothing else for it to shut down. So like, what is it? Right. It doesn't have control over anything because those things aren't there. They don't, they, they aren't there either. Like what the, is it like being beheaded? Again, I don't know. I don't know what. I've never been beheaded. So I don't know what that feels like. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know, man. That's God. That's crazy. So needless to say, um, this is not healthy (laughs) for, for the mind that is in this, this exo body. And it just essentially the, this, this body, this form, um, that was supposed to be Clovis Bray. The second is a continually failing, uh, continually dying thing. And it's the brain is spasming, trying to find anything that it can have control over. And the one thing it does find is, is the, the quote unquote muscular system of the exo body that, that it now has control over. Uh, and essentially those muscles, yeah, again, muscles in quotation marks, those metal muscles end up spasming and clenching and releasing and clenching and releasing and clenching and releasing until they literally flex the body to pieces. It, it Clovis Bray the second in this, this, you know, I don't even know if you could say it's him anymore in this hysterical state. Right. 
his brain has literally used its own muscles to tear his own body apart. It's, it's like, it's like, it's almost like a seizure, right? Like, yes. Yeah. It's a good, it, it, good descriptor. The, uh, 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 with a seizure, it's, it's just sending pul- electrical pulses through the, through the muscles. And so they're all clenching and, uh, and unclenching as fast as they can, or, or sometimes they, they just fully clench up and they don't release. Um, but yeah, in, in this sense, we're talking since it's metal and, and, fabric or whatever, you know, whatever the muscles are made of, those things have physical limits, just like the human. Now, granted, the human body is an amazing thing um, of squishy bits, uh, <laughs> but the, but it's, it's uh, the human body can endure it crazy things, but the physical properties of met like, like aluminum, Aluminum has physical properties. Once it reaches those exact properties, I mean, like a melting point, a bending point, a tens- uh, tensile strength, all of that stuff. Once it reaches those limits, it fails. And once something like that fails, it, the only thing it can do is just break apart. So, like that's that to me is that to me is what what it's it's almost like the body of that this early body of Clovis II. Uh, and and again, body's a hard. That's a hard term to attach that right like this this early frame right that that clovis the second is in just starts seizing and spazzing out and and tear the 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 physical bits there um so now instead of squishy bits we got physical bits um or do we call them hard bits what, the, <laughs> what do we call the exo-frame portion the hard bits instead of the squishy bits the hard bits reach their physical limitations and just start breaking apart yep and and then there's no more hard bits. There's no more body. There's no more Clovis the second, essentially. Does he, does he die from this? Is it, would you consider that a death? I mean, that's kind of like a metaphysical question at this point. Right. Cause that's what like the brain thinks it's dying over and over and over again, every second. And so like the, the brain itself is convinced that it's dead, but then it continues to function and it continues to have something to use, be it the the metal muscles and metal frame. But then once that starts tearing it apart, like, does it just stop? Does it does it does it die? Does it does it quit? Does it? God, this is this is, ugh. yeah. All these bits that don't matter, right, to the story. Like, who who the fuck cares if it stops or not? Get on with the story. <laughs> I'm like super, like I'm into this. This this engineering portion of it, like what would happen if we stuck a brain in a in a in a hard drive and then stuck that hard drive in another frame and connected it up and said, Hey, you now have metal arms. And the brain goes, Huh. Well, you forgot to give me a heart, so fuck this, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> well, essentially this this does culminate in the quote unquote death of Clovis Bray the second. Cause I, I guess that's that's the other bit too when this brain gets downloaded, like that's, that's again, a one-way transfer, right? Like there's no copies of it anywhere or anything. Oh, they have copies. Uh, oh, of course yeah, they do. Cl- Clovis Bray the Clovis first. Clovis always has backup plans. Yeah. He, he is mentioned, he mentions later on that like, you know, the seconds scan is still out there. There, there's still a copy of it. Uh, but you know, the, the organic Clovis Bray the second is dead by virtue of the scanning process 
and now there's no way to bring that mind into a into a metal body so for all intents and purposes he he died in that procedure or at least as I mean, like what, as far as anyone like, else is like, concerned like then is the consciousness even his his own like what is what is what is a soul like what, this is crazy <laughs> man this is crazy yeah no uh or we're not gonna we don't want to go down the path of like the deus ex machina stuff because yeah <laughs> it's gonna get it's gonna get weird it's it's gonna get weird and that's that's the best way to describe <laughs> it man it's gonna get weird <laughs> but so needless to say this this is the death of clovis bray the second at the hands of his father for the sake of an experiment um that if it had been successful would have cured him of this disease but it, it didn't have also been like one of the most single like significant advancements in human life like that's because essentially you're at more at like if that had worked that's immortality that's it you know a, a muscle fails a, a bolt fails eh, we'll, we'll just replace it right and that's the only part clovis bray the first cared about really was yeah. his son which was made to you know be as close a copy as he could get to himself was the test pilot for this technology so that Clovis could know whether it's okay for him to do it or not. Clearly the answer is no. No. No, it is not. It is not <laughs> no, okay, is not. Clovis. It's not morally okay. It's not ethically okay. <laughs> it's clearly physically not okay. No, Clovis the first. It is not okay to do this. This is not a good idea. Uh so who's who's on the ethics committee at Clovis Braytech? Oh, there is no ethics committee. <laughs> <laughs> there, there is none. There Full is stop. None. Free, free your mind. Free, free range. No restraints of budgets or ethics. Come join Clovis Bray. It's this is the now this company seems like the most fucked up company ever. Yeah. Like I got, I don't want to work for this company anymore, man. I mean, from Clovis's standpoint, it's it's probably a very inclusive environment because he doesn't view anyone as a human. <laughs> that's, that's, that's that's messed up. It's so true, right? Like here, you're all equally worthless. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Jesus. Man. Yeah, he's psycho. He's 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 psycho. So needless to say, this ostracizes Clovis Bray the first from a majority of his family. Uh, you know, he is, if not the world, right? Like, well, wouldn't I suppose society would shun him? No one else knows. The only, oh, the only people that know secret. are, you know, his, his immediate family. Um, when, when Anno runs around going, Hey, where's dad? <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Clovis Bray the uh, second, you know, was the father to Elton, Willa, Elsie, Anna. He is now gone. Um, you know, he's gone from his wife Sylvie. Uh, if Lucia didn't hate Clovis before, she really hates him now for murdering their son in her eyes. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So, needless to say, he still controls the company, and many of his children still work for that company, but. No one's coming to Christmas dinner. No, not at all. You think they all signed uh, non-disclosure agreements when they uh, 
when they were drafted into the company. As they know in Clovis, they signed NDAs out of the womb. <laughs> I like that. Hi, you're newly born. Can you sign here, please? Yeah. <laughs> please fingerprint here. Yep. But needless to say, to Clovis, this is a you know a, a failure, but not one that couldn't be overcome. You know, it it was clearly yeah, this is just another data point, right? Yeah, like this is just another. Hey, I've seen what happens. All right, how do I fix this? Yeah, clearly, you know, the process has the the process of uploading and downloading works. It's just why why did the body fail? What what about that downloading process didn't go correctly? And and it's just a problem to solve in his mind. Yeah. It's just something to to be fixed, something to figure out. And he's got a whole company of engineers and thinkers and and doers to to take advantage of. Yes, he does. Uh, however, the answer does not come from his, within his company. The answer comes in the form of an extraterrestrial source. Specifically, something found on the moon. So a artifact is discovered on the moon referred to as the K1 anomaly or also known as clarity. That's what Clovis calls it. And, uh, there's a whole lore book describing the discovery of this, which I'm I'm not going to read through tonight. Oh, say the the you make it you gonna make our listeners sad. I yes, but that <laughs> that lore book is really creepy. Don't get me wrong, really creepy. Unfortunately, not a whole lot of the content of that lore book is relevant to Clovis and the Clovis Bray story. Fair enough. Uh, it's, I, I will allow it. It's mostly the tellings of the miners and, um, and then scientists that are uh, s- discovering and studying this K1 anomaly. Um, needless to say, what we need to know for the uh, Clovis Bray story is that... What does it taste like? <laughs> you know, I wonder, what, what does darkness <laughs> taste like? Uh, no, that's not what we were... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that's was, that was the only thing I could think of is like, the main thing we need to know is, can I eat it? <laughs> and does it taste delicious? As, as And so now I just... I, like now Just like your brain was like, Huh. Could I eat uh, darkness? I wonder what it would taste like. Can I just make stasis ice cubes for my drink? Is that how that works? You absolutely could. Like, it's just, I mean, what would a stasis ice cube taste like? One way to find out. Uh, Exactly. But so the the important thing to take away from the K1 anomaly or or kind of the, the summary version, the K1 anomaly and clarity are absolutely tied to the darkness and most likely tied to the witness in some way is is the k1 anomaly like alive or does it does it talk or is it or is it more like a more like a conduit like uh like the witness or or darkness can talk through it 
I think it's more of a conduit. And the K1 anomaly is best we can find um, from uh, Lorbits that we will talk about later, hopefully this episode, is that it was one of the darkness statues, one of the, the veiled women statues that we would see in the pyramids and in uh, like the Garden of Salvation and uh, coincidentally in Deep Stone Crypt for anyone that's gone through that. Yeah. And and the, and that's the main reason why I ask why it's alive because and you know this too, uh, I think day one when we were in DSC we come across this thing and we walk up to it and it's moving. Yes, like if you go up underneath it, you can see it. It is moving. So, like you never see what's under the veil, but if it moves, it's gotta be alive, right? Certainly not a statue. In the classical yeah. sense, anyway. So, clarity, the statue, this this force, clarity is discovered on the moon, and Clovis hears something through it, hears whispers through it, and decides that a that needs to be mine. No one else can know that that's around, that 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 exists. Uh, which wasn't particularly difficult because any scientist or staff member that spent too much time around it literally went insane. Uh, Damn. And so he calls on Alton to essentially clean up the mess, deal, deal with anyone that knows about this, and then get it out of this, this site, take control of, of this relic, because I'm the only one that can know about it. He gets obsessive over it. He refers to the artifact as clarity and the voice that he hears, he refers to as clarity control, AKA, you know, whatever this being is that controls clarity and speaks to him through it. Which usually you hear a creepy voice coming out of this weird living statue thing you maybe don't follow it you maybe nah. second guess what it's telling you nah not clovis no not clovis he's not clovis he, he's a genius he knows all oh this thing's talking to me right well how the hell do i control it <laughs> how, how the hell do i claim it for clovis Braytech and stamp my name on it exactly my legacy and this thing clarity it knows what Clovis is trying to do. It knows that Clovis is trying to reach immortality by uploading a mind, uploading ultimately his own mind into this exo frame, into a, a metal body. And it whispers to him and it says that it knows what he needs to be successful. It knows where he can find that last missing puzzle piece that will let him be successful in creating an exo. Yeah, that's that's not good. That's not good. So we are now going to read through the notes 
of the mysterious logbook, which oh, I'm so excited is the personal journal of Clovis Bray the first, uh, kind of immediately after discovering and acquiring clarity and him following its orders and all the things that come from it. And this, this was the, this came with the, uh, physical, uh, collection edition of beyond light. Um, yep. Yep. and it, part of, part of the ARG puzzle of that was when you, when you got the thing, it had two pages ripped out of it. Like the last two pages looked like they were just ripped out of this journal. And then the ARG was to find the data to get all the info from the missing pages, which of course we are going to include in this, in this series of readings. Yep. We have all of the entries way down, way down at the end. That's all the way at the end. Yeah. As, as I do, usually I'm jumping to the last page and reading the last page of the book and going, yeah, I'll probably read this book and then put it back on the shelf and convince my wife that I need it. Uh, yeah, that that looks good. Yeah. But so, without further ado, this is the Mysterious Logbook, which, quick aside, is not, as far as I can tell, is not available in its complete form via Ishtar Collective, but is available on Destinypedia for anyone that wants to look it up for themselves. Well, okay. Well, then, real quick, then, what's the what's the difference between the two, like complete or not complete? The Ishtar Collective is just the pages from the ARG, oh. where Destinypedia has, um, as far as I can tell, the pages from the ARG and all of the pages that were in the original hard copy of the book that came with the collector's edition. Uh, okay. Okay. So yeah, that's that's the difference between those two entries. I guess I guess for Ishtar Collective, there's really no reason to to upload every single page if the physical version exists. I mean, it'd be nice if they did because some people didn't get the collector's <laughs> edition of Beyond Light, like this person. Oh, but you know, I I have it thanks to Destinypedia. So there we go. There we go. But Clovis's journal starts like this. Entry number one. A new start. A clean page for a most important story. Hanu too is arrow-breaking around Jupiter. The Lord of Planets thunders his greeting to me. As I record this, I am blasting Avarinci III's Siegfried in the storm wall over the radio howl of the Jovian magnetosphere. It galvanized me. I feel as if I am with the gods. It is the most expensive. This trip is the most expensive lie in human history. I am not here for a safari. All of Europa's life will soon be known, mapped and exhausted of wonder, bound by the tedious constraints of physics and biology. I know these things too well. They are already killing me. The K-1 artifact promised me an offering, a gateway to the secret of immortality. I call it clarity, and it is waiting on Europa. I'm still dying, but not fast enough to kill me. 
first, first I must find, excuse me. Uh, he has a little checklist at the end of each entry here where it talks about his like current corporeal status. He calls it. Yeah. Uh, so it keeps track of like his body temperature and his blood oxygen levels and all of these stats, I guess, to, to let him know how healthy he is. And so his corporeal status at this moment, uh, body 35.9 degrees Celsius, pulse 25 BPM. That seems that seems really that low. Seems low. <laughs> <laughs> it, it could be. A, well, I mean, body temp 95, like that's low. So he, he could be he could be in stasis right now. Maybe so. Maybe so. Body temp was 35, but it's Celsius. I'm not sure what that translates to. Oh, 35 Celsius. Okay, yeah. I thought I heard 95. But um says strength good, uh, BP 75 over 50, uh, six breaths per minute, pulse oxygen 210%. BP 75 over 50. Dude, that's way low. So I, I bet you you're, you're probably close to it. He must be in some form of shouldn't it be, I was stasis. Say, shouldn't it be 80 over 120? <laughs> I mean, you'd think. Uh, I, I, wonder, I wonder if he is in some form of stasis as he's traveling on the so. spaceship. I think so. Uh, yeah, it says, you know, and it, it gives him recommendations. It says, today's blood mix is uh, perfluorocarbon with, the, with stem slurry. Avoid hyperfocus with alpha wave brainwash for 10 minutes per hour uh and this pit is interesting it says new kidneys are growing in whitford the deli pig for next transplant so it seems he's he's having organs replaced it seems like in his attempt to stay alive for as long as he can he's actively growing new organs in a pig in this case to be transplant donors for him as his organs re- either fail or reach, you know, a level that he doesn't deem acceptable. I mean, didn't, wow. Was it, was that last year that they did a, a heart transplant with a pig? Yeah. I, I feel like that was last year. feels like it wasn't that long ago. Uh, That's, that sounds, that sounds familiar. Yeah. But uh, well, we know that thanks to the golden age, it worked. <laughs> so he's growing kidneys in Whitford, the pig. They had they had to name the pig. They had they? to name it. Had they to had to name the damn pig. Like you, like, I mean, okay, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> so the next entry, he says, must find a good pork recipe for Whitford, so he will not go to waste. Medical teams insist. I accept cytomachine injections no nothing enters my body that does not share my genetic self-interest instead i will grow an upgraded monocyte strain elizabeth's birthday approaches a good gift would be an olive branch never let her say i did not try hanu Please identify a gift that only could come from my own intimate and personal knowledge of my granddaughter. The AI gives gift suggestions. Those are antique weapon or twin eagle replica, professional pilot trained on Eon series ship, bespoke AI writer of personalized novels, fruit basket, titan farmed, Humanitarian investment, minefield clearance, long-term reparations, anti-traumatic medicine. 
These are pathetic, Hanyu. Revised gift suggestions. Research endowment. Medical prion diseases in persons with immune resistance to recombinant gene therapy. Or research endowment for sporadic fatal insomnia. Research endowment for psychological loss of father, family, trauma. Research endowment for psychological reconstruction of trust after loss. Personal apology. Statement of grief. Never mind, Hanyu. Buy a few dog hives for a soil reclamation project somewhere. Honeybees. Whatever strain is best. And big, friendly Newfoundlands for the hives. Everyone loves dog hives. So it pauses. Uh, I have no idea what a dog hive is. <laughs> I had not a clue. Some type of strain of something that they've developed. I'm, I'm kind of scared to know because like... You, you, you know you want to Google it like in the back of your mind. Well, I, like I, I have to Google this. I don't know that it's a real thing. And the way he's referencing honeybees and Newfoundlands, and he says, and big friendly Newfoundlands, which is a dog breed, for the hives, it, it almost sounds like they've... They've created dogs that act as beehives. I was going to ask, like, are we talking dog beehives or are we talking like dog bees? Do we have flying dog bees in the future? (laughs) This sounds horrible. This future sounds like shit. (laughs) I wanted like a unicorn or something. I don't want want a dog bee. Leave it up to close. Or is it a bee dog? Oh, what if it's the opposite? What if it's like a, a bee that's as, as obedient as a dog? And you're like, sit, BB. And BB goes, boop, and sits. But then it sits on your arm and stings you and dies. That's slightly less terrifying, I guess. <laughs> I, I still don't like the idea of a dog beehive. No, like, no. Does this, does this dog have slots in it? That, 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 that just sounds horrible. We're not going with that one. No, thank We're you. going with the bee that can sit. <laughs> On command and fetch, <laughs> fetch, BB, fetch. <laughs> yeah, that's what we're going with. But I do, I do love the AI's like personal apology. How about not genetically engineering your own kid? <laughs> yeah, and the, and the Clovis is like, shut up, smartass. Uh. <laughs> But I uh, I found it interesting. So um, he also has a list of like ongoing projects. Yep. And the list of ongoing projects here says ongoing projects, ExoMind, blocked. And then under ExoMind, it has contact ICOV for their trick, failed. Hire Duana Mc, McNeed, McNeed away from ICOV, failed. Raid ICOV for Vex data. In planning. (laughs) (laughs) ICOV is Ishtar Collective. (laughs) So he's literally planning to raid Ishtar Collective. (laughs) I like like his persistence. (laughs) I mean... (laughs) Hire somebody. Or, or, no, collab with them first. Oh, that didn't work. Hire somebody. Nah, that didn't work. Steal their shit. (laughs) Yeah, that'll probably work. Uh, and so what, what he's looking for here is to enhance the exo mind to, to further some, some way to make it work, yeah. right? Like some way to make that download process work further this, this, uh, digital mind. And yeah, 
because the Exo mind, not really 100% his idea to start with. Uh, we'll find this is a thread with a lot of Clovis's, you know, big projects that he lays, you know, a claim to fame for. Um, most of them started as something else somewhere else that he just stole and twisted to his own machinations. Uh, that sounds like a billionaire's MO. Right. Yeah. The, the Exo Mind is one of those. The Ishtar Collective was actually the first to uh, offer theories on the transference of a, a human mind into um, some kind of data state. Because they, cause they were all studying Vex at the yeah. Ishtar Collective, right? Yeah, primarily Vex. Which meant dealing with the Vex, uh, you know, simulations, and that—that's kind of where it got them on the trail of like consciousness being data, and then he right. took that information and, you know, created his own thing from it. Uh, additionally, in his checklist, though, he has Europa slash Clarity in progress. Be a good man and a good grandfather, in progress. Become Luca a future human thought in progress. I think that, I think that grandfather one, he can go ahead and mark as failed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when you, when you, when you genetically alter your own kid in the womb and then continue to genetically alter him after he's out and then kill him from said genetically alteration and download his brain and then kill him a thousand times over yeah, you might have failed. Just you, just, you, just a bit. Now, granted, that was... Now, now, to be fair, he did put grandfather. He didn't say become a good dad. No, he's... That's that's already marked as failed and gone away. I mean, I think you can probably mark be a good man as failed and gone away, too. Yeah. But he's still yeah. got it on yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. 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 But interestingly, so this, this last one, become Luca, a future human thought. Luca. So Luca is an acronym, stands for Last Universal Common Ancestor. So, oh my God, what this fucker is saying <laughs> is that he thinks he is going to reach the intellectual point where all future generations are going to point to him as the last universal common ancestor of their intellect. That's that's fucky. That's 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 psychotic. To be so full of yourself that you are convinced you are the last greatest person and that everything else in the in the rest of existence will look to you as going, that's my dad. Like Yeah, or that every good idea in the future will be able to be traced back to you. Like that's psychotic. That's psychotic. The I'm surprised the spaceship fit him and his ego. That's what I'm getting at. Like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. So. Clove's bad. We continue with his journal. Entry five. Or I guess section five of entry one. If we land too hard on Europa, we will plunge into the ocean below the ice and die of barrow trauma death by pressure. The only light down there comes from magma and phosphorescent bait. The sea is ten times deeper than the Earth's, 
Even in Europa's weak gravity, peak pressure at the sea floor is 2,000 atmospheres, worse than Venus before the traveler. One imagines Pi con- contracting under that kind of pressure, crushing the perfect circle closed. I wonder what lives down there. What slow confusions of mass and form curl around the smoking vents? What threads of pale flesh slither across the dark miles like nerves in some vast, cold brain? Did the traveler bypass Europa and Titan and Encleides out of respect for their native life? Or was it afraid to touch the things pulsating below the ice? He continues in entry number two, section six. On Europa, we lurk like summer vampires in the caskets of our smile pods. Our frames labor on the ice, building a cathedral to the sciences. Radiation is very bad outside. Even my assistant has taken ion damage out there. Pleased to see him healing flawlessly vacant and empty as he is. What if this perfect self-repair is the reason the exos degrade? Nah, I sulk in isolation as the crew works. My pride is wounded. Did I expect clarity to come out and greet me? Say hail to Clovis Bray first among men. Yes, absolutely I did. The lunar artifact promised me a solution to the indifference of the cosmos. It told me that I was unlike all others. And damn false modesty, damn vanity, I am different. Not for my present qualities, but for my future influence. I shine with noon's light, reflected back through the time to this age of dawn. Perhaps... The mind heals itself still, and this causes the billboarding, the stereotyped behavior. I am going to be the Luca of all interstellar human civilization. It is a mistake to imagine that the greatest man, the god-emperor of history and the ruler of circumstance, whose influence reaches to the end of time, will live in the future in the full flowering of human glory. That man lives now, at the tiny bottleneck before the vast explosion, when it is still possible for an individual's decisions to touch the entire species and set the course of all future choice. I said all this in my book, but my son's book still sells better. I suppose because Clovis Points is a much better approachable title than competitive immortality through primogeniture of future history ontogeny. My son's work appeals to those intellectual infants in the retentionals and to the parasites of the common compassion support. Obviously, they prefer the softened, pre-chewed version of my truth. And there is also that bump of public sympathy for a dead man. Yet I cannot deny 
that in simplifying my legacy, my son has improved its reach. He was the one to formulate the famous two-sentence summary of my book, saying, Most of our energy should be spent in support of the things that are most like us. This is the only true responsibility of any living thing. And the slightly less famous addendum, the best way to spend energy is on things that make more things like us. Children are viral replicators of our ideas, but there is a certain terror about them. They alter our legacy, mutate it, as Clovis too modified modified my competitive book. Immortality, through my book, turned into Clovis Points. What if my children decide on some key amendment, some ineffable change, which makes my legacy no longer mine? How can I be reborn through the eternal recurrence of my life logic if what my children pass down is the logic of some other Clovis, some flawed copy, just as Clovis II was a flawed image of me? A flaw that I created in my clumsy eagerness to make him flawless. My second boldest decision during my son's development was to replace Clovis II's mitochondrial DNA, normally inherited from the mother, with my own. I had to know that I was in his cellular engines, powering his existence. It was not the change which killed him, but it is the fear of being replaced by a faulty duplicate that will kill me if I put off my brain upload too much longer. I have a library of scanned volunteers aboard, Hanu, but my consciousness is not among them. A Moravec upload is slow and inadequate. What if there were quantum informatic elements to the mind not captured by such crude mechanical means? No, I insist on that perfect terminal quantum snapshot. For reasons of fidelity, the only perfect and lossless brain scan is also a destructive one, a fatal one. But I dare not make the leap to a new body until I know that the body works, and so far the exobodies are universally fatal. I must finish the exobody work to become the Luca, the one true divinity of man. To do that, I need clarity, and clarity is here. All the signs point to it. And we're going to take a break there. <laughs> Holy shit. Because that was a lot. Oh, my. I mean, he's, he's insane. He's, he's not just psychotic. He is insane. He is so sure of himself and so convinced of himself being God. Like, we joked about this before. But Myth said, yeah, it brings a whole new meaning to the word God complex. He really, he thinks he's God. Yeah. He thinks he is so perfect that, like, even, 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 the, even the act of, of, of 
mating and, and having a child having to come from two separate pieces of DNA and, and to modify it on a, on a molecular level to be like, no, it's all 100% me. I mean, that's, that's cloning essentially. That's Jesus, man, this guy. And, 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 and then to be, and God, well, so what, what is it about Europa? Like, what is it, what is it about? I mean, I, I obviously, the the K one anomaly tells him like this is where you need to go, but why Europa of all places? Like why 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 not why not Io? Why not Mars? Why not Neptune? Why not you know like is it just like it just so happened to be that place or? Well, I think a couple things for Europa. I think um, the first one is uh, yeah maybe a bit of coincidence that that just happened to be where what we discover later is. But I think that what is discovered, how you worded that to not, (laughs) that's, that's clever. Yeah. I think what, what is discovered there could only have existed there because as Clovis says, the traveler never touched Europa. Right. Like we know it touched IO. Because and Io Io is one of the uh, one of the moons of Jupiter. So I mean, it's it's not like the traveler looked at the moons of Jupiter and just said, "Nah, fuck that, can't deal with that shit," and just walked on. It clearly dealt with some of them, but it only dealt with, I guess, only one of them. I guess I guess it only touched Io. But anyway, um, but yeah. So like it it's, I I guess the other thought would be like it's it's so desolate, right? Because like Europa is this ice ice giant essentially um because if you think of a a moon of jupiter like yeah it's a moon but it's a moon of jupiter like a moon of jupiter is freaking huge um but i mean to be to be that secluded would 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 I, i guess give benefit to clovis and his and his and his secretive stuff to 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 keep going with the exo stuff yeah um I do. I do also like. I, I do also like the the where he talks about you know being out here in the Jovian ionosphere is like being amongst the gods. Like he feels at home there, which again just leads more to his like. He's convinced he's a god. He's convinced he is the god of humans, of humanity, of all of human everything. I think. I think even beyond of like te- technologically, I think he thinks he sh- he should be like the Adam of the Adam and Eve of the rest of humanity. That is very much the vibe I get is he. Yeah. And, and and that's, it's interesting because at least in his telling of it, I don't think he wants immortality because of a fear of death. Right. I don't, I don't think he fears his own death he fears that if he were to leave his work to somebody else, to a later generation, even within his own family, that they would, they wouldn't understand. They wouldn't be able to replicate his perfection in the correct way. And so he needs to be the one that pushes his ideas forward because anyone else will taint it. will will make it not. His anymore. That's so psychotic. That's just 
Oh, man, he really is. He's nuts. He's psycho. He's uh-huh. psycho nuts. No, he is. Um, so he's currently sitting in what he refers to as a smile pod, which I think must just be some sort of like little, you know, uh, kind of, I, I envision as like a little, uh, you know, tent to protect him from the European atmosphere. Uh, I, I imagine it, a tent that's from Walmart. It just has a, <laughs> a smile, a Walmart <laughs> smile face on it. <laughs> but but at this point in time, Walmart's already gone bankrupt, and so it's just called Smile now. <laughs> now, I mean, we know he'd be using something branded with his own name on it. Like. Oh, absolutely! There's no way. There's no way Clovis Bray is going. He doesn't shop at Walmart. He shops at Clovis Mart. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, it. so he's he's sitting in in his Smile Pod, just waiting for his frames his robots to finish building the, all of the various, uh, Braytech buildings that are on Europa. Uh, so I guess, I guess that's important to know too. Like even alongside this, this, this exo idea that he has of, of putting his mind into some sort of everlasting thing, there are still like automated robots that are like, probably closer to i guess closer to like ai right or, or are they just like fully just automated i think they're just they're just programmable you know they probably take okay. simple commands kind of thing but i don't think they're truly stuff AI. like that, like a like a like a car manufacturing yeah yeah plant right okay yeah very easy to direct do you know build this building and then they build the building kind of thing Gotcha. I didn't know if they were if if there's any description of them being like a humanoid figure or something like that, or if they're just like robots out there in the snow. Yeah, no, nothing like that. Um, although in the previous reading there was a instance where he talked about um Avanti three named. Yeah. Uh Avanti three is an AI at this time. Uh and uh it created um it composed the musical score he was listening to that Siegfried in the storm wall. Uh, that oh. is a musical score that this AI created. Now, hold on a sec myth. We, we can't have AIs creating art and music. This is not going to be the place where we have that. <laughs> debate. <laughs> not going to do it. Not touching that one. <laughs> But it's it's a named it's a named robot essentially that he treats it as if it is I guess alive because he even talks about like it it's recovering nicely or whatever. Yeah, I think he's just appreciating his own engineering. He's like, oh, oh yeah, that... look at it, it's so strong, it regenerates <laughs> so how... quickly. Look at how amazing I am that I built this thing. <laughs> I think you're more on the nose with that one. That's that's definitely more the yeah. the Clovis Bray way of thinking. Not like, oh, it's okay. Oh, sweet. I'm glad you made it, buddy. Not no. Oh, look how awesome my thing is. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, All right. But so uh he is convinced clarity is here. I need to build a structure and then it's gonna reveal itself to me. Although even then he was so full of himself. He's like, I'm going to land on Europa and it's going to be so fucking impressed with me that it's just going to pop out and be like, Clovis, there you are. <laughs> he did. He did say that. He, of course it will worship. 
<laughs> it makes me instantly think of the very first scene of this season when when the Clovis AI looks at Osiris and goes, "Who are you? I am Osiris, the greatest warlock ever known to man, and second to none." And he just goes, "Cute." Yeah. <laughs> that's that's essentially what essentially what has here. happened here. Yeah. <laughs> I am Clovis, the Luke of humanity. Cute. <laughs> Cute. But so we get another little printout. Uh, I'm not going to go over all of his like stats. Well, and hold on a sec. So what I'm thinking was going to happen to the pig is actually going to happen to the pig because oh, yeah. they named it. Yeah, yeah. They started talking about pork recipes for it at the beginning of the thing, and I was just like, "God damn it! They're going to kill a pig, and they're going to make they're going to make pork loins out of him." I damn it. Yeah, and actually, at the bottom of his of his little statistics printout it says new kidneys functioning well, donor pig sacrificed, brined, and prepared to see pork chops. <laughs> <laughs> nothing, nothing goes to waste. Nope. Like, so. Tasty pork chops. He didn't even name the pig in that one. Nope. Just he just said, "Oh, donor pig, pig. Pig tasted good. Thanks." He has a he has a name. I've already forgotten it, but he has the name. It was uh, Whitford. Whitford. Was Whitford. His name. Whitford the pig. Whitford the pig. You shall be missed. So we move on in his uh, diary, his logbook, and Clovis continues with his next entry, saying, The term for parents destroying their own offspring is savaging. It was a problem for pig farmers in the days when we raised livestock. Sows would attack their own piglets. No one's ever worked out a good explanation. One theory is that the mother pigs are frightened by their young, terrified by these strange, noisy, needy things. The ancient biologist August Weismann believed that we age to make room for the next generation, that we are programmed to die to leave a space for our offspring. Perhaps the sows simply acted in self-defense. He continues, Now a bristling thing, large as a whale, appears on the ice-borne camera we dropped into the ocean below. A dandelion made of soft arms, bright red and yellow markings indicate it evolved in the shallows, where some light pierces the ice. The limbs wave slowly to and fro, a motion that is both hunting and breathing. Prey approaches, drawn by plankton that cake on the drifter's skin. With vegetable slowness, its limbs embrace the victim sting it, and pull it into an open central stomach where 3D parasites wait to infest and digest. Everything it does is slow and intestinal, pulsatory, brainless. Sometimes the limbs bicker. Two are dead, fuzzy with rot. They have strangled each other. It is a colony organism. If threatened, it will discorporate. The limbs will spasm, the core will tear apart in a pool of fluids, and all those arms will slither away into the dark beneath the ice. Flat worms of terror searching for a hide. The digestive parasites will be expelled as a decoy, left to squirm in panic. I despise it. I would have killed it except that I am repulsed by the thought of its final disintegration. 
I consider how best to burn it. So this is Clovis. Uh, what the hell? Exploring? Question mark? Europa? That's a strong word for what he's <laughs> describing, what he's doing. But yeah, I guess. I would have killed it, but I am repulsed by the idea of it even being disintegrated. Such a waste of my time. What the f- What the hell? He, he is bored through the ice of Europa and discovered this whatever it is, this creature floating around seems in the water. Neat. Plant life? Would you th- I, I guess it'd be ocean plant life is what it seems like. Yeah, kind of, like almost, a carnivorous almost like it, plant life. Like a carnivorous a, a, anemone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, needless to say, he hates it <laughs> and wants it dead. Damn it. Yeah, yeah. Wants it dead, but doesn't care to... It's that's beneath me. I don't I don't want it, Eduardo. No, yeah, no. Yeah, that's yeah. Um so I think looking at time, this next one may be the final reading we do tonight. Okay. So this is gonna be entry three, section Well before 11. that we have to name this plant thing. Did 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 he give it a name? Uh no, he doesn't give it a name. I mean he hated it. He's not gonna name the thing. I name you Octoropa. Octoropa. Well, because it's on Europa, and it's uh, I. I hopefully it has eight arms. Maybe it has more. Should we call it Dodecaropa? Oh, that sounds so much cooler. Well, I go. thought it in my head. And I was like, would that sound cool out loud? It's now called Dodecaropa. Well, there you go. I'm naming this plant thing. There, Dodecaropa. You will be missed. Because <laughs> Clovis probably burned you. He did. He absolutely did. No, no. He said. He would kill it, but even the thought of disintegrating it disgusts him. So he didn't do anything with it. He just I guess left that's true. Maybe it be. it's still floating around out there in Europa somewhere. <gasps> now you know what I've got to do. Now I've got to go look at all the ice on Europa. Got to f- and find co-find Dodecaropa. <laughs> well, good luck. There's a lot good of ice. Good luck. There's a there's a lot of ice there. <laughs> God dang it! All right. So, final entry for tonight. Final entry for tonight is entry number three, section 11. Clovis says, I died. What a nuisance. Dropped dead of dysautonomia while rummaging for leftover pork chop. I am now in recovery in a medical smile pod. I have no breath and no pulse. Is the return of oxygen to dead tissue that does most of the damage. I should be asleep, but I have to get this down quickly. While I was dead, I had a dream. I was in a working exobody. I felt so strong, everything so vivid, no need for waxy eardrums or jelly eyeballs, like seeing for the first time after a life of cataracts. I think I was immortal. The only unpleasant aspect of the experience was my amnesia. I couldn't recall my own name. I saw someone walking past me. I think it must have been Anastasia. Not only did I fail to recognize her, but it never even occurred to me that I should. When I awoke, I thought I must have had a near-death vision, so I checked my nerve logs. Every spark in my brain is recorded 
and nothing in that cerebral panic can account for my dream. The mind is the brain. It is impossible to have a vision without correlated neural activity. And yet I did. Wonderful. This is why I came here. Unmapped secrets, impossible dreams, a chance to pass beyond the infinite and escape the tyranny of causal closure. I wholeheartedly believe that my dream was a message from clarity with a promise of success. And that's where we'll end it for tonight. A way to escape the edges of the map. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, yeah. He died. Like, <laughs> he died. Still didn't kill him. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't, wasn't dead enough. <laughs> Shit. I'm not, I'm not dead yet. I'm only mostly dead. <laughs> yeah. I got that's, better. Like, I'm getting better. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> yes. That's what we end with tonight, a Monty <laughs> Python reference. I like it. I like it. Yeah, no, I, I, the, the dream, though, I, I, it's, an, it's an interesting thought of, like, because you're no longer, I mean, you no longer look like you. The fleshy bits are gone. The jelly eyes and squishy eardrums are gone. And so all that it is is just a, a machine, a, a, a scrap of metal and, and I don't know. I can't remember what insulation is made of. Plastic. We'll call it plastic. It's not made of plastic. Rubber? <laughs> Rubberized plastic? Fiberglass? Anyway, fiberglass. There we go. Uh, well, that would just be glass, wouldn't it? No, fiberglass is... No, damn, damn it, myth. <laughs> anyway, it's just, it's just a, it, it's like looking at your cell phone now, right? Like, yeah. oh, now my cell phone is alive and talking to me. Great, thanks. Don't need that. Um, but the, the cell phone is, you know, my granddad. But I don't recognize that. Doesn't look like any form I've ever seen before. It's just a cell phone. Yeah. Man. Man. All righty. Well, uh, that brings us to the end of uh, part one for our entirety of, uh, what, what are we calling this series? The entirety of Clovis? Clovis? Clovis's legacy. Ooh, that's a good one. That's a good one. All yeah, right. I like that that's one. What, that's, what, that's what we'll call this series is Clovis's legacy. Uh, again, we're going to include all sorts of stuff. Like this is literally just the beginning. We, we, uh, everything EXO, everything Rasputin, everything SIVA, we're going to, we're going to go down each one of these paths, but it, again, to try to keep it in a cohesive format, <laughs> we're going to do each path individually. <laughs> So we might have some some time warpiness uh, in between the bits when when we go when we go from you know the exos to the Rasputin to Siva and stuff like that. So because remember while all of this is happening right now on Europa, every, Rasputin's still being developed, Siva's still being messed with, all that stuff's still happening. But we're just not yep. again those are their own timelines. So we will we will cover those in depth as soon as we finish with the exo stuff. Uh, okay, well, um, do we want to start with shoutouts then? Yeah, so we've got two shout-outs tonight uh, that come to us both from uh, Apple Podcast as reviews. Uh, the first of which comes to us from Exodus Amok. 
who says, luckily, I don't have to quit my job to listen to this wonderful podcast. These guys will bring you to a destiny to destiny if you took a long break, like me at a very unfortunate time, Black Armory. Now, these guys brought me up to speed on all I missed and came back for Witch Queen. Or if you've played at all uh, in-depth lore readings and myths voice act, yeah. Or if you haven't played at all, the in-depth lore readings and myths voice acting skills will surely hook your addiction as it did mine. Thank you for that. Uh, top notch, top notch <laughs> voice acting right here, baby. I was a minor lore nerd before listening, and now I feel enlightened to a higher level. Thank you for helping my bubble titan brain wrap around the wonderful world we're all addicted to loot in. Keep up the great work and for running house merchandising. Merchandising, sales house <laughs> merchandising is over here, man. Yeah. Oh. I love it. I fucking love it. I love that that's caught off. That's <laughs> I fucking that's that's literally what Spider is. He's house merchandising. I think it was like a like he's got like that that like he like kind of talks out of the side of his mouth type thing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that's what that's what he is. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, thank you. That's, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I love, I love Miss voice acting. I, I even acted, I even asked him before, like, are you going to do, you going to do different ones for all these? He's like, yes, yes, I am. So yeah. Uh, I will they, it's, it, make the attempt, but, uh, yeah, I, again, I'm, I doubt my own skills at it, but I'm glad that it, it was enough to, <laughs> to bring you in and, and keep you entertained. So if nothing else, I guess I was successful in that. I love it. I freaking love it. But no, thank you very much. I'm glad that uh, you know we were able to play some small part in your enjoyment to the game and and coming back to it. And uh, and yeah, that just that always feels good. And and we know people take breaks. So stuff happens. I, I oh mean, yeah. It, it, a lot of people took a break towards Curse of Osiris and Warmind. Those these we refer to as the dark times. <laughs> uh, so yeah, like it's we understand. Like everyone in Destiny knows, like you, you kind of play a little. There, there, there's a lot of people that'll play a little, come back, play a little, come back. I even hell, I had an experience today. Um, the guys that delivered my furniture, uh, they were like, "Dude, we we play WoW, we play Destiny, we play all these games," and and they were like, "Yeah, we take a break. We like we'll we'll buy the expansion, we'll play a season or two, and then kind of take a break of it, come back next expansion." So yeah, it's small world, small small Destiny world is what it is. Absolutely. Uh, so our second shout out for tonight also comes to us from Apple Podcasts, uh, and they are kind enough to leave a pronunciation for their name. Oh, so, get uh, out of town. I love it. This one comes to us from a uh, Colton Jokums. So thank you, because I would not have said that correctly otherwise. We, we would have <laughs> fucked that up. We would have totally <laughs> fucked that up. Uh, but they say, just wanted to say that I've been loving the podcast, uh, and it gets me through the work day. Do you guys have a plan to cover the Dredgens and Dredgen Yor? It's so interesting. Short answer, yes. It's so interesting how Yor was making the order, uh, was making weapons of sorrow, and how Shin Malfer was trying to end all those that consorted with the dark. Either way, keep up the good work. So, yes, th- thank you, first of all. Uh, Absolutely, thank you. And, uh, and yes, the, the whole Dredgen stuff and Shin and... Uh, yeah, Lumini and Thorn and all that good junk. 
is definitely a series that we are going to do at some point in the future. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so fun. Like uh, when we first started this, this I mean, hell, what it's been a year and a half now since we started this. God, that seems I know seems like such a short time. That's crazy. Um, but yeah, in, in the year and a half that we've been doing this, like it's it's uh there's all these like little things that we were like well what what do we cover this week what do we cover that week and then when we did our first big series of the when we did uh um uh the books the books of sorrow books of sorrow yeah books of sorrow was our big yeah yeah, yep that was our that was our first big one yeah Yeah. um multi-part like eight episodes like yeah you know this eight eight episodes two hours an episode we're talking 20 hours worth of content right there like that's that was our first big one. And then we really liked doing that. Like we really liked having that like completeness to a story of like, Hey, we know we've been fed all these little bits of a story every now and then. And, and destiny does a really good job of like kind of giving you like a quick reminder, like, Hey, you remember Rasputin? Yeah. Anna worked on her. Okay. Continue on. But there's so much more to it than that. And that's, that's what I think that's like our goal. Like one of our goals here with this podcast is to, is to have that completeness to it. So now that we know that we like doing that stuff, now it just becomes, okay, what's the next big thing we cover? We we had been talking about uh, the series that we're doing right now, the, the, this being the first episode of it. We'd been talking about this for a while. Uh, and then when this season hit uh, last month and it was Clovis and Rasputin and, and we were like, oh my God, we have to cover that now. But we were still in the middle of like Elixney. <laughs> um yeah, it just it just having to fit into the schedule to be that. So, but no, we 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 would love the Dredgen story. Um, it, it, I for some reason I always equate that one as to also being part of the uh, uh, Jaron Ward stuff. But that's those are two different stories, right, Matt? That's uh, no, that's, that's all last word and stuff. Or is that still part of? So. Yeah. See, now you're going to get him started and he's going to he's going to read you the whole just, thing. I'm just going to go through all of it. Um bonus so yeah. episode, Dredgen Yor. <laughs> Jaren Ward and Shin Malfer and Dredgen Yor um and Rizal Azir are, are that's yep. all one really big complicated one. thing. Um, huge huge. Yeah. Yeah. But um, we will definitely cover it. Like that's that's that is on our to-do list. Yes. And I, I really, uh, next time we're, we need to do a one-shot, next time we just need a, a quick, like, one-episode um, story, I really want to cover Shaira uh, because I feel yeah. like that that is a story that uh, will resonate with a lot of people. And yep. um, there, there was some newer uh, continuation for it that came out in this latest season, Season of the Seraph, um, that is a I was really say, cool... each new weapon that comes with trials adds a little bit more to the story, doesn't it? Not always, but usually. And and we were okay. lucky enough that this this season it does. Um, so it, it it's it's got some really neat implications with some of the the stuff that came out uh, this season. And I'm just I I really really like Shaira's story and kind of. It's it's something that is uh, I feel like a lot of people can identify with in in some fashion, and um, and yeah, I, I'm excited to do that one at some point in the future too. Hell yeah, hell yeah! All right, uh, well, any other uh, shout outs? That's it for tonight. All righty. Well, I guess I got to give some thank yous. Um, well, you know, you know, I have to thank 
Octo, uh, no, dodeca. Fuck, I almost forgot my own plant. <laughs> Thank you, dodeca ropa, for being awesome. And uh, what's what's the pig's name again? I am horrible with names. Uh, Whitford. Whitford. Thank you, Whitford, for being such delicious pork chops and kidney bearers. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right. Well, Myth, you want to give the give give everyone our usual info? Yeah, so as a as you've heard, we will tend to do uh shoutouts if we if we see a, a particular review or if someone reaches out on uh on Twitter, they can reach us at Myths Which and, is still a thing, apparently. It's still a thing. Uh at Myths and Stories with a Z instead of an S in stories, spelled the same as the show title. Uh if you, you know, feel strongly enough that you want to reach out and leave us a comment there or a question there, you know, we monitor that as, as much as we can throughout the, throughout the week. And we'll try and respond there. Um, otherwise, if you're so inclined to leave a review, we always appreciate those rate us what you think we're worth. Uh, and yeah, we'll, we'll keep doing what we're doing. You're worth the world to me, myth. Well, there's no, there's no the world button on, on Apple Podcasts. Oh, it's just, lame. It's just one through five. It's just so. a star rating. Okay, well. Well, I guess a star. Let's see here. How many worlds come with a star? Ours oh, has wow. nine. Well, well yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That just fucked your mind up, didn't it? <laughs> Man, those five-star reviews are a lot more positive than I thought they were. Like, they're already great, but like, hmm. That just, that just fucked your mind, didn't it? <laughs> I love it. I fucking love it. Yeah. I mean, hell, our star, I started to say has nine, but fucking Pluto. But Pluto. Always. Whatever. Whatever. Always the black sheep of the family. Whatever. <laughs> All righty. Uh, well, anything else, Myth? That's it. All righty. Well, then from all of us lore daddies to all of you guardians out there, we'll see you next week. <laughs>